0: Hey, welcome to the 182nd episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Lior
1: Shemesh and Luke Good. I'm Matt Enlow, And I'm Warren Kaplan. And today we have Lily Marie on the show. She is an actress. You might recognize her from the 127 episodes of ER, 15 seasons that she was on as an actress and many other shows, by the way. She has a lot of credits on IMDb. But she is also... Uh, quite the distinguished director.
2: She
0: is
1: tearing it up right now. We had a very hard time scheduling her because she's shooting How to Get Away with Murder. She just finished shooting NCIS LA. Before that, she did two episodes of MacGyver. She just did Terror for AMC. She's kind of unstoppable. Yeah. And she tells us the entire story of how she got to direct all this stuff. And it literally started many, many years ago when she was shadowing the director's on ER. Yeah, she's such a class
0: act, so funny, so nice, so gracious. You get immediately why people want to spend time with
1: her. And I think we learned a lot about like shadowing. She had some really interesting tips on who the person that should you should contact in terms of shadowing and it sounds like both you and I in our shadowing experience have been doing it all wrong. Bro, we chunked it. <laughs> Yeah, this conversation with Lily reminded me of two other
0: obvious episodes, our episode with Maggie Kylie and then our episode with uh, Hanalee Culpepper, two other awesome directors who've been tearing it up, doing a ton of episodic television. Uh, Hanalee's got the new Picard show. Maggie's got uh, the new Katie Keene show on Netflix. But like all three of these guests, they all have a long road of shadowing and then turning that shadowing into real careers. I think all of them did like north of 20 shadowings each so like winning a ton of award shadowing a ton and then finally breaking through so i highly recommend listening to all of those uh, those other two episodes in addition to the one that we have with lily today but i think if you listen to the three of those you will be ready to shadow and break through and learn from all of the things that these awesome directors have brought to the table for us
1: yeah it's a really good interview, and she's a really gracious person. After the interview, she's like, hey, if you guys ever need help, let me know. And I was like, cool, can we shadow you? She was like, nope. She was like, hard no. <laughs> Pass, thank you. Um, uh,
0: but you can listen to an episode of a podcast I just recorded. But yeah. no, she really is such a treat. So before we jump into our interview with Lily, we did have a listener question we want to
1: jump into. Well, we actually have a voicemail today from Andrew Klekzek. Let's listen to it.
0: Hey guys, I have been working as a filmmaker for five years, but my question is, when you hit transition periods between big jobs, I'd really love to supplement commercial work, branded documentary work. I'm just wondering how to get
1: more of that. A lot of work that I've done also is of like a religious nature. Part of me wonders if it just turns people off. And then the second part of that question is, how do I get what I have in front of somebody makes them want to hire me? Or is it just that
0: getting it in front of a lot of people? Pretty much it. Thanks a lot. Cool. Andrew, thank you so much. I appreciate you dialing in. As we all know, I love those voicemails. So I think I'm hearing three questions. One, how do I know if my stuff's good? Right. The second one, I think, is like, will people judge it for it being religious? And then third is, how do I get more work, right? Yeah. So often, I'll just send you a spot and be like, hey, do you think this is good enough? And you'd be like, no, that's why you (laughs) sent it to me. (laughs) I mean, unfortunately,
1: the answer usually is no. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's
0: yes, and it's like, hey, dude, don't be so stupid. Oh,
1: yeah. No, I don't mean with your stuff. I mean, just when you're asking that question. But but I,
0: I think with any person, I think it's like, if you have to ask that could be an indicator, um, but also when people are, when you have a person that you trust
1: to be, to give you an honest answer, then, you know, trust them. Right, but don't you think kind of a very good litmus test is, hey, you cut, I'm going to cut a reel. Here's like five commercials I directed here and are back to back. I'm going to send it to production companies and say, hey, I'm, you know, looking to be on a, put on a roster somewhere to get commercial work. And if every single one of them is like, doesn't respond or says no thanks then it's it's not good N- enough no because i feel like that's not a bad indicator necessarily
0: but it's also not a great one because i think like in any business having a personal relationship or a personal introduction is a different deal so oh, so, so sure if if you were like hey you know i met this guy you know the entertainment in Tallahassee drinks every, you know, the last couple sat third Saturdays of the month or whatever, we've got a good rapport and I'm going to ask him straight up. And he says no, that's a thing to think about, definitely. But like cold calling people and all that stuff, it's just too easy to just archive that email and not worry about it. To to think of it as a true indicator of whether or not your work is good.
1: Right. Um, yeah. Look, good is obviously super subjective. But if by good you mean It's a type of work that's going to get me more work than, you know, you show it to people that would potentially hire you to do similar stuff. So Andrew specifically, he like sent us his website, which is really cool. And he has a lot of really great looking spots on it. It, There's, I kind of feel like his best stuff feels a little more doc style, docu style. Mm -hmm. So if I were him and I was trying to get more work, I would try to find people that are doing docu style commercials in my market and show them his stuff, I think stuff that helps you stand out is like winning awards going to festivals being a vimeo staff pick and also just straight up cultivating relationships so you know maybe
0: that's a thing of you know networking is a dirty word i guess but like getting to know people who work at these different companies going back just a tiny bit i think Or, i think that sometimes you and i forget what it was like earlier in our careers where we didn't have as many spots as we liked like saying, like, oh, I just string together five commercials that I've done and, and, you know, send them around. But that kind of presumes that you have five spots that you are confident in enough to send around. And so I think that's maybe the other thing that we're dealing with, Andrew. And I think it kind of ties into the religious affiliation question as well. Number two is just like, just adding a little bit more diversity to your body of work, I think might give you a little bit more confidence in knowing, like, oh, I really like this one and I don't like that one you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: I do. I I guess I feel like when we hear a question like this, specifically Andrew's question, am I at that place where I can get a production company um, to represent me? It's like that story I told about a band apart. You know, my first meeting, I was 1 million percent not ready to have that meeting, but I got lucky through a relationship and they showed me, hey, look, these are the people you're up against. They're making insanely amazing things. They're making 30 second spots that look like 30 second spots, which by the way, my note to Andrew would be like, if you want to do 30 second commercials, then put 30 second commercials Mm -hmm. on your website. You have uh, like a bunch of commercials that are like a minute and a half that could easily cut down to 30. If you want to do these kind of more of the branded content minute and a half type thing, a lot of that does come from relationships. If you, you know, have friends that are working on a small business and you Mm -hmm. kind of offer them, Hey, you know, for $10,000, let's, Put together a plan and shoot like some branded content for you, whether it's comedy or docu style or yeah, or I mean, the docu style stuff is so nice too because you can make something look
0: appropriate without spending a ton of money. You know, I feel confident, Andrew, that you can pull together a couple awesome looking interviews and then some slice of life pieces that you can kind of intercut in between, and then you can put together some pretty great looking BTS style interview style docu style. Spots.
1: Yeah. From a technical standpoint, I think Andrew has all he needs. You know, I think he, anyone looking at his work is like, oh, yeah, this guy knows how to shoot stuff. Yeah. I think really more the kind of other parts of directing it are, are the things that you'll have to prove yourself. Do you have a variety in styles? You know, can you cast people that look like they would be in a commercial that's on TV? Can you get performances like that? Are you being efficient in your storytelling? Basically, make stuff that looks like top tier and you can get those top tier jobs i think the the question about the religious thing like i'll just be like a hundred a million percent blunt and honest i do think if i saw a website and all the work was like for my church or something i i would be like oh this is the like little leagues Mm -hmm. like i do think even you know we have a friend that Used to edit all like the trailers for all the Christian movies, and they were making millions and millions of dollars. Like these are giant business; it's probably getting a lot more views than anything you and I, you or I made. But I do think like traditional advertising people and Hollywood people look at that stuff and go like, "Oh, it's niche religious stuff. It's not at the level of the mainstream stuff that we're making." And it's only not true, but I I do think there is a bias that exists there. I think that a bias like that is going to be person to person but what
0: I think is more universal is that anytime you've got a single client you it looks like oh this is the one relationship they have and then all of a sudden it's called into question well can they work with other teams and you know how like that's what makes it feel narrow to me you know what I mean like if you went onto my website and like I'd only done things for college humor, and it was all just college humor, college humor, college humor. You, I think it would be within your,
1: you know, right mind to be a little apprehensive. Right. I will say uh, everything that we've said, I'm, I'm on his site right now, directed by Andrew.com. Great URL, by the way. You guys should all check it out. I don't feel like it comes off as like a very religious body of work. Yeah. So yeah. I, I honestly don't think it's a problem that you have. I, I think all this stuff looks great and it would not hurt if you spent some time like educating yourself on like how ad agencies work and commercial production companies work. Well, I think you'd say, well, bro, I'm lo- listening to your
0: podcast.
1: Well, yeah, that I do think that's like a, a great step, um, you know, but I guess we, <laughs> a director would not have a relationship with an agency traditionally. They wouldn't have a relationship with a production company and so... I think where you are, I believe he's in Illinois, um, you should basically just try to make relationships with those production companies uh, and work on their things and see if they have things and show them your work. So just, just keep it up. I think, Andrew, you're doing all the right things. Andrew, I would say maybe
0: because you have so much awesome doc style stuff, I think that it might not be a bad idea to do a cool lifestyle doc sort of piece on maybe a local business or just something something that kind of is in that realm something that looks really slick and is like slice of life and with you know interesting looking people who are really telegenic and magnetic and charismatic
1: and challenge yourself to make it 30 seconds there watch any apple commercial watch yeah. check out lance accord sure, there you go his work yeah. is like insanely good i i think the problem with a lot of newer filmmakers especially ones that are trying to get into commercial and branded and that do are a little one-man bandish they feel like it's about the beautiful shots you know Mm -hmm. and that that isn't really a lot of people can get beautiful shots the the real trick is can you get them in 23 seconds and have an end card and have it all add up to something unique and meaningful and memorable and so that's why I'm, I'm saying to check out these other examples of the people that have nailed it. Nailed it, sure. And know that you can do it in 30 seconds. So All of which I think is uh, great advice. And also I think it
0: will round out your site a little bit more. And I think that'll be kind of helpful, basically. I think that solves a few problems. And I think you can do a piece here or there that's just like a weekend. And it seems like you probably own your own camera. or Maybe you can just borrow one. You have access to gear like it doesn't break the bank basically so i don't think it's a huge ask and i think it'll help with the whole thing a little bit more it's not a silver bullet but the good news is is that because you already have a a solid body of work i think it's just adding to that pile a little bit more
1: right i almost think you could do a lot of what i'm saying with the footage you have already and my other big note avoid anything that seems cliche or tropey or like sentimental like just really try to own things and not copy things that you've seen done in other commercials. I know it's like a really vague piece of advice. And anyhow, hopefully
0: that, that was helpful. Yeah. Thanks so much, everyone. If you want to drop us a voicemail,
1: give us a ring at
0: 2626 shoot one.
1: We'd love to hear from you or email us at just shoot at gmail.com. And we will happily give you our thoughts in front of thousands of people. (laughs) Uh, Anyhow, we really appreciate you, Andrew. And your your stuff is awesome. Check out directedbyandrew.com. That's a pretty amazing URL to own, right? Yeah. Boom. Thanks, Andrew. Okay. Let's mention our Patreon real quick. It's patreon.com slash just shoot a pod. It is a place you can go to support the podcast. If you like Andrew, feel like you get something from it. Patreon.com slash just shoot a pod. You give us 10 bucks a month you'll get a free hat yeah that says just shoot it on it which hopefully will remind you every morning when you see it on your hat rack that you shouldn't go be shooting you should go be shooting it the money goes towards things
0: like our new editors sarah and jonathan or our live show we've got a live show coming up in los angeles october 20th we're talking genre directors it's our halloween episode so if you're into horror movies or sci-fi movies or thrillers or uh, just straight-up independent movies or hanging out with other filmmakers, And you are a patron to our Patreon. You get them for free. Otherwise, you can go to
1: justshootatpod.com slash live and get your ticket. Enough plugging. We are going to talk to a very awesome filmmaker. Here's Lily Marie. Hey, we are with Zach Lepofsky of ShotLister. He's going to tell us real quick what makes ShotLister an awesome tool to have as a director. So one of the things ShotLister helps people with is not just being on set and keeping track of their shots but also preparing for the shoot can you tell us how shotlister actually helps you before the shoot
2: i mean basically the way Shot shotlister works is you know you build your shot list but then the real key of it is you add how long you think each shot is going to take and each thing that you have to do is going to take and if you're terrible at math we got you covered because the app adds up all those little estimates of how long everything's gonna take and say you've got a 12-hour day that you've got to get it all done and if if you add in everything you want to do with your estimates and at the end that the app will glow red if you go over those 12 hours in your in your prep I was uh, working on a movie and I remember I, I was working it was late in the shoot I was on the weekend like building the shot list for the next week and I added up everything that we had to do and it was like 18 hours worth of work. (laughs) I was like, oh no, this is impossible. And then I like trimmed out everything that was like just floofy, arrogant director shots and just went down to like the bare essentials of what we needed. And it was still 16 hours worth of work. And so I called the producers and told them, guys, I've done the math. There's no way this day is shootable. I know we have two cameras, but if we had a third camera crew, we could do it because I had tried on shotluster. and they hemmed and hawed because they didn't want to pay for it. But eventually, they said, "Okay, we'll give you the third camera." And we made that day in 12 hours, and it was so much better to have found that out two days earlier on the weekend at the coffee shop than on the set realizing, "Oh no, we're only going to get half of this action scene." So it was really, really powerful being able to kind of not only build your shot list but estimate how long it's going to take to actually do.
0: Maybe, maybe you get to, you know trim things down a little bit so that uh eventually you can get floofy with it
2: well often what i do is like i'll put shots in there that i put zero time for but i just put little stars next to them and they're basically just like targets of opportunity little fun things i think it would be great to get but only if we're doing really well
1: and is it true that you guys are still giving just shoot it listeners a free copy of the app
2: it has been going so well. We've had so many people email in and we've been sending out so many free copies out the door. We're crazy. We're crazy over at <laughs> Shotlister. Uh, and yeah, it's been having a great response from people getting their free copies. So all they got to do is email just justshootitpod at shotlister.com. Get your copy free right now.
1: And remember when you email Shotlister to let them know if you want the iOS, Android or macOS version and you will get a free copy.
0: Matt Norrin discount.
1: Well, awesome. Well, thanks so much, Zach. We are excited for people to see the app. Hey, we are here with Lily Marie.
3: Hey, hi. Good morning. Good afternoon.
1: Good morning. Thanks for squeezing us in. You're like the busiest person in show business.
3: Oh, am I? That, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, George I, Clooney I really wanted
1: this spot, but he had like more <laughs> availability. <laughs> so we we bumped him for you.
3: Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, guys. Yeah.
0: Well, Lily, let's actually, um, let's start at the end. Because right. we, part of the challenge of, of scheduling with you is that you're literally shooting, is it six different shows right now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> so tell us all, you basically, you know, you're a knight of Shondaland yourself, right? <laughs> like, oh,
3: my gosh. What,
0: what shows are you directing right now?
3: Uh, well, let's see. First of all, tonight... Um, my episode of the terror on amc airs so i've been doing lots of promo for that
1: and is that a horror show um I haven't seen
3: it's it. uh i guess it's labeled that genre of it's horror but um i like to think of this season as more like uh, like in the vein of a quiet place or the sixth mm-hmm. sense cool. rather than like People coming out of closets with chainsaws. And, sure, you right. know it's it's a little it's a little more suspenseful than <laughs> horror,
1: like high concept. Yeah, thriller. I
3: guess so. Um, and the the terror is, is this is the second season, so it's an anthology. The first season was about a, a British ship in the eighteen hundreds that got lost in the Antarctic. It was based on a true story. They were sort of exploring the Antarctic, and suddenly they lost contact with them, and. Um, in fact, recently they found the ship. It's called oh, the wow. ter- It's called the Terror. With oh, the real ship. I didn't the that. real ship. Oh, cool. And they because it had been preserved in the ice and everything, they found like papers and you know, um, Like, all with this writing stuff and the, stuff. Yeah, like? all this stuff in the ca- in the captain's cabin. Um, anyway, so they they told this story of this horrible story of the ship sinks and then all the, the crew are stranded mm-hmm. in the Antarctic. Um, but on top of that, they put a horror story, a, a ghost or like something. Like a supernatural so, Yes, exactly.
0: And so your season, though,
3: Our season, is a
0: totally different story. It's a, it's to- a totally so it's-
3: different story with different producers and writers and directors and actors. Um, it's uh, set in Southern California during World War II. So it follows um, Japanese Americans through South uh from the start of World War II, and the internment, and the end of the war, and it specifically follows one young man. Um, but on top of this, there's a, a horror element, which at first I thought, how's that gonna work? But th- I think they did it in a really smart way, because there were lots of first-generation Japanese there, and you know, any first-generation immigrant brings with them folklore from their country. And so they brought this folklore of, of ghosts and they just sort of, that was sort of their part of their lives. That they believed these ghost stories and that ghosts existed. And of course, their kids, the Americans were like, uh, we don't believe in that. You know, That that's not real. We're Americans. Um, and so at first, when there's evidence of like mysterious ghostly things happening, all the Americans say, well, you know, that's... All, all the all the Issei, the first generation, are like, "Oh, that's ghosts," and all the Nisei, the second generation, are like, "That that doesn't exist." And then eventually, they come to believe when they see more evidence um, that that it's there. So it it actually works. And I uh, uh, I was surprised it, it, you know when I first heard about this show was like um, last summer, and. Uh, or maybe even before then, I just read a blurb in Deadline and saw that it was going to be about Japanese-Americans and during World War II, and I, and I chased everybody around. I chased AMC, I chased uh, Scott Free Ridley Scott's company, I chased Alex Wu, who's the showrunner, to hire me to direct this, because my mother's family were all interned in uh, California in a Japanese inter- Japanese-American in Can I ask you a question, actually? Sure.
0: Um, before we get into the uh, five other shows that you've okay. <laughs> um, but, but I feel like people, I've heard people say things like, oh, I chased them down. I really wanted oh, to be okay. a part of it. Tell us, what did you literally do? Did you just call your agent and say, hey, get me on this show? Or
3: Well, or? I read this article, and I thought, how do I get on, in on this? Because this is perfect for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that like a couple of days later, I got an email from Shannon Goss Schwartz, who is a writer on the show, who I've known since the days of ER. She was a writer's assistant, and I was an actor then. And um,
0: that, I just want to point that out. That is so, so incredible, though. Do you know what I mean? Because I think yeah. you hear stories of like, oh, you know, those relationships they'll they'll yes. bear fruit, like being nice to people and being well, and staying in touch with people, sort of
3: being yourself. You know, yeah. you can't like. You can't push these relationships. You have mm-hmm. to act like a normal person. You mm-hmm. know, you can't sort of
1: But also that, that idea of like being nice to the assistants, right? Yeah, sure. Oh my god. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, and also, you know, on ER we were it was sort of like being in the trenches together. We sure. were all working on the show really super hard. And so we all just made friends. And it, there wasn't like this delineation of here are the actors and Mm -hmm. there's the assistants. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like we were all doing this together Mm -hmm. and no one's job was more important than anyone else's at a certain point.
0: So awesome to hear though. It's really wonderful, you know? Like, because I I think, again, people hear those stories all the time and this is just such like clear evidence of things working out for everyone,
3: you know? Yes, and I, I do have to say that just about every assistant on ER is now producing and writing, Mm -hmm. and doing great things on their own. Um, So it's, I mean, it it, it can't, you you can't do it with this sort of calculated thought of, I have to be friends with the assistant, because God (laughs) knows where that person's gonna go. You know, you you just have to have that um, attitude towards everybody, Mm -hmm. that, you know, look, we're all doing this together, we're all trying to get this done. And if you have, you know if you have a connection with people you can't you can't get to the point where you're like oh i'm the filmmaker and you're the the lowly assistant sure sure it has to be you know all all your relationships have to sort of stem from wanting to connect and mm-hmm. wanting to to be collaborative and really i mean Isn't that why we're all doing this? Because we enjoy collaborating. Yeah.
0: Well, and you're getting a huge paycheck for this podcast, too. So (laughs) so. that's like a. Thank God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, so you reach out to your old friend. So
3: I reach. uh, Well, actually, she reached out to me. She writes me this email. She goes, hey, I'm working on this show called The Terror. Um, uh, I'd love for you to try to direct. And she said, go see if you can get a meeting with AMC. And this is the person you should meet with. I see. So, like I told, someone in development, or uh, production? it was the executive that was uh, working on our show. Mm-hmm, I see. So, uh, so I, I told my agent that I really want to get on this show, and that Shannon had suggested I go and meet with this yeah. particular executive.
1: So that's real firepower. That's like right. Yes. You can yeah. then just say to the executive, "Hey, Shannon from your show yes. suggested that you yeah. meet Lily."
3: Exactly. And so I go and meet with that person. And then it turns out that uh, Scott Free is also involved. So um, I knew David Zucker because he, he was um, an, the Warner Brothers executive on ER 100 mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. So, uh, but I didn't reach out to him directly until I had an appointment with the executive who was overseeing our production because I didn't. I didn't want to reach out until I knew that I was going to be meeting there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, uh, once I met at AMC, I was like, so I should go meet over at Scott Free. And they were like, yes, and go meet this person. And then I emailed David and said, Hey, I'm coming to meet uh, Jordan. And he goes, yes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm really looking forward to it. So I mean, that, that's something I learned early on in my directing career. If you don't meet all the entities involved with any production that you're trying to get on, mm-hmm. any one of those people can say, Oh, I don't, I don't know Lily. Uh, uh-huh. and, Nick's, and Nick's. And that's you. that. And yeah. that's that. So I learned from a girlfriend of mine who's a very successful director now, um, you know. She told me the story of what happened to her, and that's exactly what happened to her. She was trying to get her first gig as a director on a TV show, and everybody wanted her. The showrunner, the directing producer, everybody, the network, the one of the studios. So she thought she was in like Flynn. Mm-hmm. And then she didn't realize there was one other production company involved. Ah. And they were like, mm, you know, we don't know her. So no, we don't, we don't want to hire her. and. And so she was like, uh oh, and she called everyone and said, please put in a word for, a good word for me. And they did. And, and then it all worked out. Oh, good. But, wow. you know, uh, that just taught me this lesson mm-hmm. of any time I sort of see something I want, I, I make sure I know who all entities are, are and then make sure I get a meeting
0: That is such great advice, and something we've been doing this show for 180 (laughs) episodes. We haven't heard that piece of advice. Yeah, Yeah. I actually wish I knew that advice earlier. Yeah, (laughs) because I I think it's easy to be like, oh, well, I know one major player, and they'll vouch Uh for me, right? Right. But, you know, there's a list. You know, it's probably 10, 15 names long, and it's like, okay, well, all right, not Lily. Who's next? It's that simple, right?
3: Right. Like, they sit around a table like we are right now, and, and they put this list in the middle, and then everybody goes, all right, so... So-and-so, mm-hmm. and then they go, and I say yes, and you say yes, and then you say, you know, I don't know her, and then they go, okay, and they scratch her And then
1: next, yeah. yeah, that's it. It's right. like casting. Yes, right? sure. yeah.
3: yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. I had a meeting on a movie last year, two years ago, where it was this like, amazing meeting with this production company, and I did a, a treatment, and I think they really liked me, and we really hit it off, and they, I feel like I was very much in the running, and then in the end, the other production company that was they were working with was had like someone that they really felt strongly about that they that they both liked. So they ended up right. going with that person. And I, I guess I should have told my manager at the time, hey, you know, this get is another- Get me a, a meeting another... over at the other yeah. production company. Yeah, Let's which it coffee. didn't even- yeah. like." And it seems such an easy meeting to get because you're like, yes. hey, Oren just met with
3: these right. producers.
1: Um, why don't you guys meet with them too? You and
3: know? they would have been like, oh yeah, sure, sure. We'd love to. I mean, I've never had- when I'm trying to when I'm pursuing something, I've never had a, a production entity go. Oh no, we don't want to meet with her. They're always like, sure, because they, yeah. you know, I mean, it's like that's when,
0: their job, right? Right. And
3: when okay. it's like when I'm casting an actor, you know, I want that actor to come in and, and blow me away. I want you to come in and and knock it out of the park so that I go, Phew, okay, great, next, yeah. yeah, that's what I want. And so when you're contacting these production companies. They're not going to be like, oh no, I don't know, or I'm not going to be. With him. They're going to be like, oh well, we don't know him. Let's bring him in, because what if he brings us the next great idea?
0: Yeah, because they want it to be an easy
1: yes, like you're saying,
3: yes. right? Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, so smart. Um, uh, well, actually, I'm curious. We've we've had a few actor turned you know directors on recently, but we haven't asked any of them about casting I'm curious like when you're auditioning actors since you were an actor for a long time does, do you think that changes the way you judge them
3: Um absolutely I think the first few times I was in casting I I didn't realize I mean it, I knew I was nervous when I went into audition, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize everybody else was nervous too. Sure,
1: on the other side of the camera.
3: No, on uh, the, the actors coming in.
1: Oh, oh, oh! You didn't realize other actors would
3: be yes. nervous
0: also. Oh, interesting. I always thought it
3: was just me, and then everybody <laughs> else went in like, "Hey, I'm okay. great. Yeah, I'm yeah. not nervous at all." I just thought it was me, and I was amazed that everybody was nervous. And so, when I first started auditioning actors as a director. Um, I would start, you know, empathizing with them, and not not be able to see what they were doing because I would just be like, "Oh my God, that guy's so nervous." Yeah, sure. Right. And you're then, just like there, making
0: eye contact, <laughs> nodding. I'm, like I'm here get, for you. Pal. Shooting him vibes. Yeah, yeah. Totally. You're like, I get it. It's okay. <laughs> it's
3: okay. You're fine. <laughs> do you want a drink of water? Yeah. You're okay.
0: Yeah, they're like, Why don't you do do it 10 more, <laughs> yeah, ten more times? Yeah, ten more times.
3: Right. So <laughs> then I was like, Okay, wait a minute. Everybody's nervous every time they come in, and so I just taught myself how to like, not so much like, like ignore it, but detach from that, you know, Mm -hmm. nervousness, so that I wasn't empathizing so deeply, and just trying to see, you know, it's sort of like the nervousness levels the playing ground Mm because everybody's nervous,
1: right? I think in an audition. You're probably more vulnerable as an actor than if you book the part, right? yeah, like it's oh probably yeah. the most vulnerable you are because not only do you have to be in the moment and do all of the acting stuff, but you're also
3: being you feel like you're being judged, yeah, and you don't
1: know, and you're you see your competition right next to you, and you know someone might be on the phone or someone might be eating a sandwich, mm-hmm. and it's like. You're being judged while simultaneously being insulted (laughs) and being like you know intimidated. Also, you
0: were just in a room with like ten other versions of yourself, right? You know, usually taller, skinnier, better looking versions of me,
2: right? Yeah, exactly. But
3: you know, I had an acting teacher who said to me once, "Look, you're going to walk in there, and there's going to be somebody who's prettier, and somebody who's more talented, and somebody who's taller, and somebody who's shorter, whatever. But you're the only person who's you." And so you really have to, like, not, not go in there like, okay, what's a banker like? It's like, no, don't come in there and give me that. Go, come in there and give me what, what am I like as a banker? Because that's what's going to make me go, oh, that guy, I didn't think of it like that. So, um, anyway, so, yeah, I, 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 have to, I have to cut through the nervousness to see what they're doing. And then if I don't see you getting the beat, you know, like mm-hmm. there's a beat here, there's a beat here, then I'll give you a note and and see if you can take my direction. And here's where I think improv, having a, a lot of improv sure, yeah. helps you. Because if you just come in and give me what I call last night's... um, Living room performance—it's uh-huh. like you're just handing me this. What my, one of my acting teachers calls a dead gift, <laughs> because <laughs> you're just repeating what you did last night in your living room, mm-hmm. and you're not—you're not true in the moment. You're not finding something. You're not being honest. I, you know, I—I want to feel this like spark of honesty and and discovery. I don't want to feel like, yeah, this is what I this is what I practiced last night. Here it is. I want to feel like you're really connected to what you're doing. So, if I have you do it again, I'm going to give you notes cuz I want to see if you can mm-hmm. do that. Right. I want to see if you can take the note and let go of what you did last night and bring in this new thing today. So, um and so, that's that I mean that's the other thing that's really important to me is that if you're reading a script and you're smart enough to see all the beats that you need like the Mm -hmm. emotional shifts or the the moments where you you know i see you thinking about something that's in the script that's what inevitably that's what it comes down to when i'm casting did he or she get the moments Mm -hmm. and some some of my notes just say didn't get the moments because you know you can't just like look at your lines okay (laughs) this is what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and this is what i'm doing it's like Read, read the script. Read what, read what the actions say. Mm -hmm. Read what the other characters are saying. Read, you know, think about what you as a human would bring to this um, in terms of, of, of emotional transitions.
1: Yeah, and this is, this is like when you're obviously a new actor auditioning for a role because I think obviously you were on 127 episodes of ER. Yes. I imagine (laughs) by episode five, (laughs) the writers are writing, are shifting their writing to you as opposed to like they're trying to catch your moments as opposed to you needing to like decipher their moments. Right. And,
3: you know, or both, you know, they'll,
1: Mm -hmm.
3: they'll give you little moments to play that they know you can do.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's how special to be on a show for that long and to have like that many episodes, right? Like back in the day, like those seasons were big orders, right? So like people had time to grow and understand each other and write to each other's strengths, but also challenge them.
3: You know, I again when I first started, I would get really nervous. Oh my god, what are the producers thinking? But I, I really have to focus on what one of my mentors said to me a long time ago. Leslie Linka Glatter, who's the EP on Homeland, and directed many episodes and won Emmys, and very successful, really great director. She said to me, you know, you really just, the, the film has to be the most important thing. So, people don't have to like you, people don't have to be impressed by you, people don't, you know, you, you don't have to worry about what people are thinking. You really just want to focus on getting what you need, so you can make the best film you possibly can. And um, you know, yes, when I first started trying to direct actors in an audition um, situation, it was a little nerve wracking. But then, at, at a certain point, I just had to say, "Okay, you know what? I I need to see if this person is right, and I need to give them notes and if I have to give the thirtieth person the exact same note for the one line, so be it. no i yeah. I really uh, s- sorry if if the producers are getting bored from sitting here <laughs> waiting for me to do this. But I in the end, well what's most important is getting the right person so that when I'm on the set, I don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. this person either came in like that. Or understood me from the audition and knows what I want,
1: right? Yeah. So, so you've kind of shed the nervousness of being judged by the producers because <laughs> <laughs> L- right, Lily's a pro, is what we're saying. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, it doesn't mean I don't get. You know, I do get nervous going in there. Yeah,
0: especially on
1: there. a new show. Yeah, right? yeah.
0: What, or
3: or what, even on an old show, like a, you know, a show that I've been on for yeah. a few episodes. I feel like. Um. I think the nerves are, and I was just talking to a friend of mine on the way over here, Judy Dench calls it her batteries mm-hmm. when you start getting nervous like that. And oh, I think, I love that. right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just adrenaline. It's it's your adrenaline and you can choose to label it how you want. You can either choose to label it as nerves and let it bring you down or you can choose to, to label it as excitement and and that you're, you know, Really looking forward to finding the right person for this role, and that you want to make sure you are focused and see what you want, and 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 really are are able to to choose wisely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's when I get nervous. It's like, am I choosing wisely? Okay, I just have to trust myself. So,
1: so you directed, you wrote and directed a feature film. Yes, and I was curious if you felt like that was. Something you had to do in order to get like the, these TV directing gigs, only because we've had so many listeners, mm-hmm. and even maybe people that are sitting at this table right now that feel mm-hmm. like making a feature film is some He's talking sort of about me, Lily. <laughs> some sort of uh, <laughs> I, I figured. Let's yeah, see, sure. not me. Lauren's
3: yeah. already made Orin, a movie. <laughs> so who leaves you? Then it's right. some
1: sort of mark of validation. But then we've had so many guests on recently that have not directed future films that are working on TV now too.
3: Well, you know what, it's, you know, everybody asks me my story as if I'm gonna unlock some secret to their success. And, and I, you
1: are. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly think already just your tip of like talking to all the part, the interested parties is like- It's such I a mean, good nugget. That's like what? the reason nobody, we make this show. Yeah.
3: nobody told me that. I yeah. had to figure that out myself. And I feel like that should be, like, the first thing people tell you.
0: Oh, is figure it out yourself? No. Oh, 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 oh.
3: <laughs> yeah, go figure it out yourself, kid.
1: <laughs> well, what we've talked about before is, like, in casting. Uh, sorry, where were we? Uh, we were talking about features. Oh, we are talking about oh, just kind of. Oh, the features. Yes. 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 Um, uh, so. Well,
3: so here's what happened. So, you know, I. Um, I was on ER and uh, it was about two years in and I noticed one of the other actors on his day off in street clothes with headphones sitting at Video Village watching the monitor. And I said, what are you doing? And he goes, "Uh," goes, I'm shadowing. I said, what's shadowing? And he goes, "Uh, I'm learning how to direct. And I was like, well, I'm sitting here 16 (laughs) hours a day. I want to do that too. Sure. So I went to John Wells and I said, "May I shadow on the show?"
1: And what season is this?
3: Like season uh, Like deep 3 in- maybe. Okay. Okay. Season 3.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But so the show's a hit at this point though, oh, right? It's, a it's a huge... like a phenomenon, season 3. It was three. a
3: hit from We yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, no, I came in on episode 5, I think. So yeah, it was it like season 3 and so John said, "Yeah, sure, let me uh, let me figure out who I want to partner you up with. And uh, then he came back and he said, I've asked Leslie Linka Glatter if you can shadow her. And she said yes. And we were already friends by then because uh-huh. she had been directing the show. And, and so I already knew her. So she knew I wouldn't you know, bother her unnecessarily. And, and, and I was already part of the family. Uh-huh. So it wasn't like I was shadowing on a new show where nobody knew who I was. I was... Already there almost every day. So uh, I started shadowing Leslie, and I shadowed Leslie on like six episodes of VR and a few episodes of West Wing and a few episodes of Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. and Yeah, then, like,
0: she, she's kind of a big deal, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's a huge deal. Yeah.
3: And
1: you just named three of the best shows of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and then you, and when you're shadowing, you're with her pretty much well, the entire day? Well, here's the
3: thing. If you're shadowing as part of a program, which is how I would suggest you do it, um, you know, people ask if they can shadow me a lot. Mm-hmm. And my answer always is, I'm not really in a position to have you do it, but I would suggest that you don't shadow just like a friend of yours who's guest directing on a show. Sure. Because the production doesn't know you, and, and they just regard you as Lily's friend. Right. So they're yeah probably, your are
0: your entourage you're not like right, part exactly. of the team yeah and
3: so first of all you're not going to get to come to prep which mm-hmm. is the most important part mm-hmm. and you're absolutely not going to be invited to post so basically you're just sitting around eating craft mm-hmm. service all sure. day with me yeah. oh there's Lily's friend so you're not you're not learning a lot mm-hmm. um, if you do it either as part of a program. I did the ABC program and the CBS program. There's also other really great programs. Sony has a great one. Warner Brothers has a terrific one.
1: And these are, you did those after you had done your shadowing while you were on ER.
3: Yes, I did those after I did my feature. Mm -hmm. Even better, if you ask a producer that you know, Mm -hmm. if you can shadow on his or her show. Because then when people say, who's that guy? Oh, that's Matt. He's here because of the mm-hmm. producer. Oh, okay. Sure. And so now you get access to prep, you get access to the shoot, you get access to post. Yeah. And you also get to, sh- to come back around after you're done and go to the producer and say, hey, I had a great experience shadowing on your show. Can I come in like for 10 minutes or can we grab coffee? I just want to tell you what I experienced and it gives you a connection. You may not get hired on that show immediately, but you start a relationship.
1: Right, Right. and what do you say in those <coughs> 10 minutes? You're like, I you thought the say, shots could be a little bit.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just say, you know, I, I mean, for my first episode of was, was Nashville, and I just talked about how, yes, I agreed that the production was really big, but that you know there there was half of it was just the drama of the show and that the other half was basically you were making music videos. Mm-hmm. And I said the, the thing about it is it's not as overwhelming as I thought it would be because they've already figured out how to shoot mm-hmm. um, crowd scenes, and I'm accustomed to moving a crowd around to make a small group look like a big one because you, you don't need to have three thousand people. You just need to have the people that the camera sees at any given moment. Which is then, how
1: many? Like a um, hundred?
3: Like a hundred, and then you just keep moving them around. Okay, now when we're shooting you from profile, I need those hundred people to scooch over there. Sure. So now when I make them all swap way, shirts with each other, <laughs> <laughs> everybody in the front yeah, comes to the, the back. back yeah, everybody, yeah, comes the right? Back. Exactly. Yeah. And then if you do get that one shot of the whole arena, that's CGI. Yeah. Right. So, um, so I just talked to her about stuff like that. Things that I, I saw that simplified the concert stuff for me. Mm-hmm. And that what I, what I mainly was concerned with was the relationship between the person standing in the wings, like, you know, glaring at the other person standing on the other side of the wings, glaring at the singer on stage. And also, I, I was a dancer and a choreographer. So, to me, you know, I, I know what I want to see when i'm when I'm shooting a, a musical number. Um, stuff like that. I just told her what I saw in the production and things that I felt helped make a production go faster.
1: So it was almost technical. You kind of talked about, like, how you would direct it in a. Exactly.: way.
3: Exactly, because that's what she wanted to hear. She wanted to hear how would you direct this? Mm -hmm. And I said, the other thing that I thought was great is that you rehearse, you while lighting is setting up, you rehearse the next scene, so now they're all ready to go. Mm -hmm. Um, And then once they've lit this scene, the the crew can go over there and light the next scene, I shoot this scene, then I go to the next one and I'm all ready. Mm -hmm. The the actors are ready, the lighting's ready, pretty much.
1: So you have the actors, rehearse a scene and then while they're lighting that set, rehearse the next scene?
3: If I can, yes.
1: E- even if it's totally out of order, like a scene from tomorrow in the story. Or if
3: it's on, in the schedule, whatever's next in the schedule. Right. And hopefully your first AD has mm-hmm. set it up in a way that, um, you know, I mean, you can't always do that, but it's helpful if you do. Mm-hmm. Or at least take the lighting crew over. And like this last episode of NCISLA, I did that as much as possible. While we're while we're lighting one scene, we would go over to the next set, and I'd say, "I'm going to look this way. They're going to come out of here. I'm going to look this way, so that they can sort of pre-light before we get there."
0: And I'm sure a producer loves hearing that you have an efficient plan, basically. But
3: Absolutely. But not only
0: do you know what you're talking about, but you're going to make your day.
3: Yes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So smart. So and then so in that ten minutes, you talk about that, and then. Then, for example, this show owner said so, you but you know, that's great, but you know, or you know, we like, there can be a couple of difficult people to work with. Mm -hmm. And then I just talked about, you know, well, this is how I would do it. Or this is what I saw. Or this is how, you know, if it's an actor, it's like, look, Would you
0: ever play the like, well, back on ER. (laughs) Not specifically about difficult actors necessarily, um, but just like kind of bringing up, reminding them that you have experience in a, a variety would, of ways. Yes, yeah.
3: I would say uh, I understand the different mindset of an actor who's on a series as opposed to an actor on a feature. Because mm-hmm. an actor on a series has been doing this character for a really long time sure, yeah. and really just wants to get her, his or her day done so that they can go home and have dinner with their kids.
0: Right, that's the big advantage of doing TV. Right, right? dinner with your kids. Dinner with your kids.
3: Yeah, um, a feature actor. But you know the thing with the series actors that they're going to get to do this character, hopefully, many, many, many more times. A feature actor can get really precious about mm-hmm. every moment on the set because. It's only this feature and they only get to do this character once and they only get to do this scene once mm-hmm. or anything similar to this scene.
0: And a feature is forever in a way that an episode of television isn't necessarily the same. Correct. Yeah.
3: You can get in deeper with the feature director or even, for instance, on the terror with a, a limited series.
0: Mm-hmm. Act oh, interesting.
3: Because they know they're only going to do this for 10 episodes yeah. and then it's gone. Yeah. So you can dig in deeper and you can you know they want to take more time but with the series actor it has to be blim blam let's do it all right you (laughs) know next scene and it's not that they don't care about what they're doing they just want to do it quickly and efficiently and so again i would say um you know i would say yes on this having been on a series for 15 seasons and if they have any worries about you they'll bring them up so then it then she just said okay i'll i'll she was impressed i just so passionately wanted to do it yeah and that she could see i was smart and that i was capable of doing it and so and you
1: noticed the right things
3: and i note yes That's the other thing. Mm -hmm. I noticed the right things. Yeah. And I. I,
1: Every show
0: probably has a distinct set of challenges. Yeah. And the showrunner knows that better than anybody. Yeah. So they just want to know Lily sees those challenges. Right. And has thought through how to deal with them.
3: Right. Exactly. Because if I'm there for three weeks, I'm. I'm. I. If I haven't seen those challenges, then I probably (laughs) am not the right person to direct this show. There you go. That's so. So she wanted to make sure, you know, she was like, yes, I. I figure you saw them, but did you think about how you would, how would you deal with it? Mm -hmm. You know, the person you shadowed, dealt with them in his or her, her own way, mm-hmm. but how would how would you deal with them?
0: So you're shadowing all the time, right? Like you've got all of these awesome connections and all of this great insight and experience. Tell us about the first time that you decided to direct something of your own.
3: I got a flyer from AFI for the directing workshop for oh, women.
0: Oh, well, you did DWW? Yes, oh I great, did. I didn't know that. This is awesome. how I
3: know Maggie Kelly oh, and Connelly awesome. Culpit.
0: What an incredible program. Oh my God. The best, right? It's yeah.
3: huge. And um, I have to say, it changed my life. It, it, you know, I, growing up, I never saw, I never saw women directors, and I never saw Asian American women directors. So I, it didn't even occur to me that that was something I could do. And when I got this flyer, I happened to be in a an episode that Leslie was directing. Mm-hmm. So I brought it to work, and I said, "Hey, Leslie, have you seen this? Should I do this?" And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you you should definitely do that. I'll help you get in. And then I come to find out that she had done it um,
1: oh, really? a while ago. How long? Ag- so it's been around for a while. Huh? Oh, it's
3: been around since 1974. Yeah. What? The DWW? Yep. And oh, Jean my goodness. Furstenberg started it because in the 70s, she was seeing these men just sort of going, hey, I got a show on TV. Want to do an episode? Mm-hmm. And so she was like, I don't see, first of all, there aren't a lot of women producers, if there is any, but I also, so I don't see them doing that to the women they know, and so what can I do? And she thought, all right, well, I'm running AFI, I can hand shorts out to women to direct. So at that time, they gave you a grant mm-hmm. uh, to direct them, and... um and so what I didn't realize was that Leslie did it, and then her short was nominated for an Academy Award. <laughs> I was like, okay, I, <laughs> I'm not aiming toward that. I just wanna see if I like directing.
0: That is a solid recommendation though. Um,
3: right? <laughs> yeah. The fact that she was like, oh yeah, I did that. I'll, I'll help you get in, it's yeah. like, okay. So I didn't know if I was gonna like directing. I mean, I thought I was gonna like it, but I, I did had no idea. And then I made my short and it turned out that I loved it. And I was like, damn, now I'm addicted to like the most expensive drug in the world. How am I gonna get some more? So all my guy friends were like, okay, so here's what you do. You make a short, you go to festivals, you win a bunch of awards, you get an agent and you go on meetings and then you have a directing career. (laughs) I was like, okay, sounds good so i made my short i went to a bunch of festivals i won a bunch of awards i got a manager i got an agent i started going on meetings and then they all started to say your shorts really good but you know um if you had a feature we could look at uh we could consider you and
1: so you're a meeting on tv with tv producers and and film and
3: film you know just trying to do something And at
0: this point you've shadowed a bunch already
3: uh, or no? at this point you've been well, on 15 seasons of television yes <laughs> so. yeah um at this point i had probably shadowed about 15 episodes of television yeah at and, that
1: point at that point
3: so i was like all right and then i made four more shorts
1: and do you mention that in these meetings you're like by the way i i know how it works from every side of the oh, camera yeah.
3: oh yeah but they're still like mm, i don't know and they also said to me you know we don't think you could like what what would it be like to go on a set and try and tell like 200 teamsters what to do and it's like um well first of all i don't tell the teamsters what to do (laughs) i
1: mean that would be intimidating for
2: anyone
3: (laughs) i i ask my dp i ask my first ad i ask all these other people yeah your department and then they tell the teamsters what to do so it's like this disconnect a lot of people have of how a set works you know and i also said but you know my dad was a teamster my brother was a teamster it's like i um, tell them what to do all the time (laughs) i'm used to telling teamsters what to do anyway so then so then my manager became a producer my agent uh retired so i was like okay you know what i'm gonna start over and by then, ER was almost done. It was like 2009, eight. And I thought, all right, uh, maybe I should start thinking about making a feature. And I got invited to this independent filmmakers, Asian American independent filmmakers conference. And there were like 30 of us. And they had these great seminars for us and, you know, whatever, and speakers and many cool pe- people,
1: like Justin Lin type of. Speakers.
3: Iris Yamashita, she wrote uh, letters from Iwo Jima mm-hmm. for Clint Eastwood. Sure, yeah. You know, it was like, it was like that. It was like, oh, wow. Right. Uh. But in between, they would all they would shove us in this room with snacks and we would all like wait for the next seminar. And I thought, all right, I'm sitting here with these other 29 filmmakers. I'm going to go around the room and see. And they were like, they had won Academy Awards and Emmys, and, and they were all this very accomplished group of filmmakers and I had made my little short. So, um, so I, I, start, I thought, all right, I'm gonna go around the room. And I had raised like $140,000 to make my feature by that point. And I thought, well, I'm gonna see how much everybody else spent on their features. So I start going around the room, they're like, oh, $100,000, $200,000. And I was like, and, they, and then they all start saying, how much did you raise? And I said 140, and they're like, Lily, you have to do it. Just
0: go do it, yeah. yeah. Just go um. do it,
3: because once you start, more people will give you money, because some people are afraid to give you money, because they don't They don't know see. if you're gonna do it. Right, but once you start doing it, they're like, oh yeah, Lily's doing it. Okay, and they were absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, and as soon as the R was over, I started prep for my feature. And, um, and they were right, once they started prep, uh, more money started coming And you had
1: written the script too, right?
3: I'd written the script. And I'd gone to my UPM on ER, and I, because somebody, the first thing everybody was saying was, you have to get a budget. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay. So I go to my UPM on ER, and I said, hey, Tommy, um, can you help me make a budget? He was like, yeah, sure. What's your budget? And I said, it's (laughs) $200,000. He goes, Lily, um, Craft service on ER for a week is two (laughs) hundred thousand dollars. I have no idea how to do this. You're going to have to find like indie filmmakers to help you do this. So I did. So I found this huge group of people, and then I also got some people from ER who who were who just believed in me and helped me. Like costume designer from ER asked John Wells if we could borrow some stuff from. Mm -hmm. their huge bank of costumes and they loaned us all the stuff we needed and so i i got like some of the prop people Mm -hmm. helped me and so lots of people helped me make this film and and you know one of the things we we just like stole things we just drove you know you guys sure. know yeah. you yeah. just drove by and got things and you know we're on the street in the middle of the night and getting stopped by cops three times <laughs> and
1: I- what a difference from er <laughs> right were you worried because i've worked with some you know actors that are recognizable yeah and they're very concerned about
3: being recognized. being caught
1: without permits or being caught by the police because they don't want it to be yeah. in the news you know yeah
3: um i i thought about it but When we got stopped by the cops, they didn't seem to recognize me, so I was good. (laughs) Or if they did, they pretended like they didn't know who I was.
1: How did you know what movie to make? Like, like was it stressful because you you know you raised this all this money and you're going to go out on a limb and make this feature film? Like,
2: Mm
3: -hmm.
1: what was the script? Like, what was it about? Was there an an angle there that you were? Was it strategic in some way?
3: um, Yeah, I mean, I knew, I knew the story I wanted to tell. Um, and I wrote it, I just wrote it without thinking about budget, and then I went back through it thinking about budget, because you can't, you, know, you guys know, you can't write from the get-go thinking about budget, because you'll stymie your imagination, mm-hmm. so you have to just write it, and then take out the scenes with the airport in it right. and, the, you know, sure. the crowd of 500 or whatever.
1: Well, I guess you hear both kind of, like, you hear that version, which is, like, just make it what it needs to be, you know, right. and then figure it out. Or you hear the, like,
3: five people re- in a room. <laughs>
1: well, the resources, yeah, sure. like, you know, your aunt has a cabin in the woods and, oh. you know, your friend has a helicopter. Right. Like, so those, right. you already have two locations. Like, yeah. now start crafting the story around I the mean, resources you yes,
3: have. Yes, they're there are many ways to do it, but I chose to do the one where you write it and then you cut things out. But luckily, <laughs> right. I mean, there weren't a lot of things I had to cut out. So, although I didn't have a prison in it, which we found a, it was a boys' reformatory in Whittier. Oh wow! Which is not there anymore, but it was. It was also in like a a few movies. So like we're like, oh wow, it was in like one movie with The Rock, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it had been used as a prison. Uh, many times and then we decided well if we're going to have a lot of scenes there we just started shooting in Whittier. We found a house for a location Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. just except for like things that were iconically LA we shot most of it in Whittier.
0: Wow there you go. Um, How nice to have like a little base camp basically to build around. So smart and maybe it's a little less um, competitive locations wise
1: than in LA proper
0: you know.
3: Yeah exactly.
1: And so you made the feature and then the TV jobs
3: came? Well, then I made the feature and I thought, okay, this is just going to be like my demo, my mm-hmm. calling card for when people say, well, it'd be nice if you had a feature. I was like, okay, well, here's your feature. Um, but I then I, I went to a bunch of festivals and won a bunch of awards and it became something bigger than I thought it was going to be. Um, and now it's on like 10 different online platforms it's had like over a million views it's it's taken off and the star of it is now the star of superstar superstore nicole bloom oh awesome so then i thought all right well i'll use this feature to get into programs Mm -hmm. so uh, i got into the abc program and that's how i started shadowing on nashville and um got my first Nashville. Once I had my first episode, I was like, okay, now I'm gonna start looking for an agent. And then it was a lot easier Mm -hmm. to get an agent once I had an episode um, and had lots of meetings. And I had some meetings with the big, shiny buildings in Century City. Mm -hmm. But to be honest with you, I just really wanted someone who was gonna work hard for me, Mm -hmm. and it didn't, I mean they had to have a certain amount of relationships and connections but I first of all I didn't want to get lost sure in a big agency and I and I just really wanted somebody who believed in me and would stick with me through thick and thin mm-hmm. cuz this Industry is very volatile. You'll be working six episodes at once and then you won't work for a while. So I wanted somebody who believed in me no matter what was happening Mm -hmm. in my career.
1: Well, so, okay, so that was, so you kind of started directing like 10 years ago ish. Yes. Yes. Do you have any advice for people today in 2019 that want to get into directing Um, TV?
3: Well, I shadowed 23 times total.
1: Right. And these are like big shows.
3: Yes. All big shows. Uh, let's see, I mentioned ER, West Wing, Gilmore Girls, Homeland.
1: And shadowing is like shift. at least a week worth of
3: oh, time, right? more. It's, it's, uh, it's seven days of prep, seven, eight, nine days of shooting. And then if you're lucky, you get to go
1: to, to post. For yeah. the so politics. like a month. And you did Pretty it much. 23 times, which
3: and is like two years or <laughs> The thing about doing it on ER was because I was an actor and they all knew me, I got to do things that, or because I've shadowed so much, I now I look back and go, oh, I thought that was shadowing. This is actually shadowing, where, you know, they don't really know you, you're kind mm-hmm. of in the way. You kind of
0: have to ingratiate yourself a yes. little bit. And and yeah.
3: everybody's looking at you like, what are you doing here, who are you? And you're the only unpaid person on the set. Mm-hmm. And you know you're just trying to learn and to stay out of people's way. But on ER, they all knew me, so I could hang out with the camera department mm-hmm. and say, "What size lens are you using? What is that called? What's this big thing called? Here, Lily, come look who the lens. Here's so- the difference. Here's a 35. Here's a 15. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they- so is that
1: something that you would not do as a shadow on a different show? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh I mean, in the CBS program, no. Um, like uh, you
1: couldn't stay if you were just standing next to like an oh, electrician, you can be like, "Oh, what's this light?" Called? You
3: could, you could,
1: but you shouldn't.
3: Um, I think you have to be judicious about what you ask. Pretty much, you want to be a fly in the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't, you don't want to get in people's way. You don't want to participate. I mean, the the most successful shadow is the person that. Eventually, somebody turns and looks at you and says, oh, I forgot you were here. <laughs> oh, my god!
1: <goodness. laughs>
3: but it's That's true. That's why I
1: had such a bad experience yeah.
3: Um, But on ER, I got to do a little differently. I got to go to the sound mixer and say, you know, what do you, and of course, they were my friends. Right, so they're like, right. Lily's asking me about my job. Let yeah, me sure. tell her. And so they would, you know, like makeup would say, Lily, come here and look. We're building this new chest piece, you know, and saying, oh, probably so, there. Yeah, oh, right, yeah, right? insane. Yeah, oh cool. my God. Here's Here, we got this bullet hole. Look, I've cut <laughs> this guy's arm off. Cool, <laughs> let me go see. So, um, so I got, and then I got to like go to Foley. I got to do mm-hmm. lots of things that ordinarily mm-hmm. you wouldn't get to do. But in every case, pretty much, in every case when I shadowed, I had asked a producer if I could do it, or I was part of a program. Because otherwise, you're just kind of in the way.
0: And and now that you... So you, you did that episode in Nashville and th- things started to finally snowball, right? Now you're just directing like crazy. You've got tons of shows. Um, what is your life like now? What's it like to be just like a, a working, working TV director?
3: Um, I'm grateful every day. I'm still thrilled to be in on a set working with actors um i'm still thrilled in prep looking for locations um you know when you you know you guys know when you when you look for a location you're not just looking for a place to shoot you're looking for the story in the place that you're shooting so is when you walk in you're like is this where the story happens? And then if you can see the story happening in this space, then you know this is the right location. Um, I'm thrilled in post. I love, I mean, as your audience knows, filmmaking is three separate films. There's your script, and then there's the one you shoot, and then there's the one you edit. And so when you get on the set, the actors have different ideas, that you know you can't you can't shoot it exactly as written because the door is so far away from where you want the action to be. So either you have to add more dialogue or you have to figure out a different way to do it. You know, there the 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 actual shooting of it becomes its own thing. And then when you're in editing, you have to make a film out of the footage you have. You can't go well in the script. It said it's like nope. This is what you have. This is what you have to work with, which is why I love I love saying to the editor, "Tell me the story that you see from the footage that I gave you mm-hmm. because that's that's, that's the story that we're going to have to tell. Um, we can't necessarily tell that story that was written. We'll be close. We'll be as close as we possibly can. But, we have to tell this story, and sometimes, what you don't realize is that the actors—I mean, the you know—the actors are saying dialogue that's like explaining what you're seeing. So it's like, okay, you know what? I think we can cut those lines mm-hmm. because we're seeing it. We don't have to have here. The actors we are podcasting at <laughs>
1: Yeah,
3: exactly.
1: Um, that's awesome. And so, are you? You want to? You, is a plan to stay in TV for a while?
3: Um I love TV. I think there's uh well first of all I think there's huge opportunities for women um that aren't necessarily afforded to us in film unless we're making our own films. Um but I I am uh looking toward I'm continuing to develop my own material. I want to make another film that I've written, Um, but I'm also excited to try to um, direct uh, films written by other people. So, you know, making films is a a little longer process, so I always thought, well, I'll direct television at the same time that I'm developing film. It's sort of like what my career as an actor, I always thought I'll do, uh, what I really want to do is a TV series during the day and theater at night. And I kind of accomplished that um, while I was doing an ER. So it, it's sort of the same thing for me now, that my goal is, like last, last year my goal was, I, I, it was the year of yes. I just wanted lots of experience. So I just said yes to everything, or two years ago. And then last year I started getting pickier. And then this year, I'm now that I've done the terror, it's like, Oh God, it was just just artistically and creatively and personally, it was just such a wonderful experience. That it's You like, can't go
0: back to, to right. something that's less fulfilling somehow. Exactly.
3: Yeah. So yeah. that's sort of my aim now, is just trying to, which Leslie said to me, she said this last time we had lunch, she said, okay, Lily, now you have to be picky and it's gonna be painful. <laughs> 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 because you're gonna have to say no to things. And, um, but she said, you know, you just really need to do things that speak to you and, and are, because it's, you know, directing is just so hard, not hard in terms of difficult to do, but hard in terms of it's exhausting. And so if you're going to expend that much creative and physical energy, it should be something that you really care about. And so that's sort of my criteria now is I just really want to do pieces that I care about with people that I love.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's well, the dream. Lily, you are living the dream.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I
0: hope. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, we had an hour long conversation about how you are living the dream. Oh, it's so awesome. <laughs>
3: yeah. First question you asked me was, what am I doing? Sure. Yeah. And we got the terror infamies on tonight, but it'll be past yeah, that good, when yeah. you. Um, But it's episode five. It's Shatter Like a Pearl. Gotcha. So they can look it up on um, the app, the AMC app or Hulu or Amazon. And then I just finished MacGyver, which was a blast because it was, I basically had to have three shot lists. I had the show itself and then I had. I've got this whole aerial thing with airplanes. Mm-hmm. So I had an oh, well. aerial shot list, one whole day of a second unit going out and shooting airplanes in the air. and then a whole second unit of stunts. So, uh, and then. Fun. And then a whole, then a whole second unit after I left of inserts, because we were going so fast. I couldn't, you know, and MacGyver like sure. makes you need bombs out stuff of yeah, <laughs> yeah, paperclips sure, sure, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So um, so that was a blast. And then I just finished NCIS Los Angeles and I like to say LL Cool J follows me on Instagram. Whoa. Wow. Not to brag or anything.
1: Yeah. You should, I hope you don't follow him. Because I
3: <laughs> I that'll do put follow. you in a power position. <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, this is a show I, I love and I love those people, so. I would go back and do that anytime. Then I'm gonna go do my first Shonda Rhimes show, How to Get Away with Murder.
1: Exciting. And oh, this is your first How to Get Away with Murder?
0: My
3: first, and it's our last season, so I'm excited to get in oh, wow. before they go. We
0: had uh, Allison Akel from that, um, oh, on the great. show, and she oh, was great. great, so what a, what a treat. Really? Yeah. Okay,
3: yeah. I'm really excited, and I, of course, I'm a huge Viola Davis fan, so. Yeah. And then sorry. I'm doing a new show called Stumptown, which is based oh, saw on a I a billboard graphic. for it. I know.
1: I love hey. that graphic novel.
0: I,
3: I love me it. Me too. I Wait, just but, read them all.
1: Oh, there's a graphic novel? Because I was upset yeah. about the coffee, that they had taken the coffee name. <laughs> but now you're saying this graphic novel existed before the show? I do the love show? the
3: coffee, though. Yeah, That's yeah. my favorite cold brew. Oh,
1: it's man. really Stumptown. good. Well, the book is great. What is Stumptown Portland? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah.
3: So, But we're shooting here. Oh, LA for Portland. Oh, fun. <laughs> uh, with Kobe Smulders, I'm excited. Right oh yeah so. and it's like this cast. It's Michael Ealy, uh, Cameron Mannheim. It's just this Jake Johnson. It's this incredible
1: cast. Oh, cool.
3: And then uh, I close out my twenty. I close out 2019 with uh, Council of Dads, which is a new show on NBC, um, based on a book. Uh, this guy found that he had terminal cancer and. Uh, he has this huge family of kids, and so he enlists his three best friends to help raise his kids oh, after wow. he dies. And yeah. it's, oh wow! It's a, t- a tearjerker. It's a yeah.
1: tear-jerker version of uh, my two dads. Do you remember that show? Oh
3: yeah, yeah.
1: It was four three
0: men and a little
1: lady. Yeah. <laughs> and three men and a baby, I guess is
0: oh, the, prequel. The, prequel. <laughs> the prequel. That's the first one. The yeah, prequel, yeah, 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 yeah.
3: <laughs> which I think was done first. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Look who's talking.
1: Um,
3: okay. Cool. I love those movies. Um, Look yeah. who's talking. I hate good, to but... admit it, but... Oh, they're so funny. Good. Yeah. Oh, I love Travolta, right? <laughs> yeah. Travolta, I, somebody, Christy Holly. I feel
0: like maybe like John Hughes or Chris Columbus, somebody like with some real credits behind them wrote those movies. I think. Really? Yeah, it might... I'll, well, I'll wasn't it Bruce text. Willis was, it was the first? Yeah, yeah. Lion.
3: Yeah, Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Sam Knight. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so, cool. Well, thanks for talking Willie. to us. Do you so mind sticking around for our unpaid endorsement section? Uh,
3: no, I would love to. Unpaid endorsements.
1: So Rocketstock is, somehow I'm, I'm on their email list. <laughs> they email me like every day. Uh, but it's kind of like a premium beat or a Shutterstock. I actually think they work with Shutterstock. You know, it's a stock oh. footage company. But Rocketstock makes really good... Stuff that you can kind of overlay over everything. So they have like film grain and grunge and all that stuff. But they put out this new pack today that actually probably would work well for medical things. It's like a, it's called Contagion. It's 175. plus microscopic biological Mm. vfx in 4k it's like bacteria growing and stuff like that yeah Yeah, yeah. oh really so it's yeah so they basically got this like a high-powered telescope and got all these little yeah bacteria and insects and amoeba i don't know tiny things that are moving and they just made a ton of footage so like let's say you are working on a short or a spec or a pilot or something there's like medical science stuff in it and you need and two. somebody
3: looks through a microscope mm-hmm. and then you cut, cut two to, yeah, yeah
1: yeah oh cool or even if you want to do some tree of life type stuff um but they have like all these different you know dust and particle and there's a, a ton of companies that do it but rocket stock they give away like 10 free ones of each of their collection i think some, something like that light oh, rays wow. and so i i kind of like to go get kind of like i'll always download all their free things and then i'll just put it on some footage and just, just have it handy. post it somewhere. Yeah. yeah, it's just fun to mess around with their stock stuff because it's kind of made to enhance the footage that you already have. So Rocket Stock, I don't know, check
0: them out. Uh, so mine, I'm going to double down on uh, something I endorsed last season. Succession season two is so good. Are you guys watching that show?
3: Yes. Oh man,
0: I love it so much.
3: I have to catch up, but yeah, yes, I love it.
0: It's rough. Like this season yes. isn't like... You know, there's some pretty brutal sequences, but, uh, but yeah, I really, I feel like uh, the storytelling and the performances in that show are especially incredible this season. So Succession season two is uh, releasing on HBO.
3: Mine's a little esoteric. Mine's a, when I'm directing, uh, my last writer, producer, uh, Jordana Lewis Jaffe on NCSLA asked me what book I was reading because I like to read. And I said, I can't read books while I'm in the middle of an episode or directing a film. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like I have to keep that story in my head. You know how when you're reading a book and you put it down and then you hold that story in your head Mm -hmm. until you pick it up again? Well, I can't do that and direct something at the same time because I feel like I need to just have this one story in my head all the time. Mm -hmm. But I can read the newspaper, I can read articles online, and I can read poems. Do I mm, sound like a dork? Cool. No, no, I love
0: it. I love it. Very so cool. I
3: started reading this book. It's called Healing the Divide, Poems of Kindness and Connection, um, edited by James Cruz. And there's one poem that made me find this book. Uh, it's called Small Kindnesses by Danusha Lameris. And that, that poem actually made me find this book. Um, so it. It just helps to like sort of like calm down at night, or mm-hmm. you know, in the middle of the day when I'm just like, like my brain is just full of what I'm directing, mm-hmm. and just because I always find I need in the middle of the day anyway to just shut off.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, um, just kind of like unplug for a quick second,
0: right? Reset. Exactly,
3: yeah. exactly. So smart. So, um, so that cool. helps me do that.
1: Healing the awesome. divide. No, that's really good. Perfect. I actually just heard another on a different podcast, Slate's Political Gab- Gab Fest. They recommended like this anthology of short stories, and I was like, "Oh, I feel like I can I can do that. It'd be fun yeah. to read some short stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something digestible is great. Yeah, um, awesome. Well, Lily, thanks so much.
0: Thanks, um, guys. Where can listeners find out more about you? Do you tweet? Do you Instagram? I What's your favorite? I tweet
3: and I Instagram, and I'm a dinosaur. I'm still on Facebook.
0: Oh sure, but so are we. Um, You are? (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's right.
3: That's where I found you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, It's an
0: active tool for us. Oh, okay. Yeah.
3: Um, Yeah. So it's just Lily Marie. I don't have a fancy...
0: Perfect. Um, we'll we'll have uh, links to all the stuff that we talked about on the show on our show notes, uh, including Lily's uh, social media handles. You can find us at Just Shoot It Pod across all social uh, and me at Mr. Matt Inlow.
1: And I'm at O. Kaplan on Instagram. And uh, this episode was edited by John Luna. This episode was produced by Madeline Rosewatt. And our webmaster is Ewan Williams. And the music you're listening to is from the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazard. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye.